Listeners, welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 152 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Sarovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So uh, before we delve into various uh, Mets and baseball accoutrement for the week, um, I figure I would get the uh, get the monkey off our backs or the elephant in the room, whatever you want to call it, um, out of the way um, early on um, in the show, just uh, so folks know who may not be aware of our situation. Um, So for those of you who follow us on social media um, and have been following us for a long time, you already know this information, but um, folks may not be up to date. So the latest is that Vox and SB Nation had a bunch of layoffs recently that affected the whole company, not just SB Nation, but there were Vox writers who were laid off. Um, They cut like seven per seven or 10 percent of their entire staff. Um, And in those layoffs, many, many of the SB Nation team site podcasts, including pretty much all of the MLB podcasts, uh, were axed. Uh, by SB Nation and Vox, um, and that includes us. Um, so as of March 1st, we will, our, our contract with Vox ends, um, at the end of February. And as of March 1st, we will no longer be monetarily supported by Vox. Now, what does this mean? Um, for, for you, the fans, this does not actually mean all that much. Um, we are committed to continuing this show. Vox has already told us that we will be able to retain the name of this podcast and the RSS feed, which is fantastic news. Um, so we can pretty much continue on with our name. Uh, if you're already subscribed to the show on your favorite podcast app of choice, then you will keep getting the show. Um, after March 1st, nothing will change for you. Um, the only thing that will change is you may notice a few changes about um, our logo, for example, you know, the ads that you hear on the show and things like that. Uh, we are committed to continuing the show, though, independent of Vox, um, and we will continue to podcast and you will continue to get our content. Folks have been asking us about a Patreon, about merch, about all these things. Um, those things are in the works and are forthcoming. And I uh, keep an eye on our social media for more details about how you can support the show moving forward. Because after um, after we sort of make this transition and start this new chapter, we're really going to need your support, especially in the early going as we work out what going it solo um means <laughs> but as far as what what it means for you the listener for if you're a fan of the show we will keep doing the show you do not need to worry a pot of their own is not going anywhere we are here we are podcasting it's happening so you're stuck with us you're stuck yeah. with us guys <laughs> um <laughs> and dollars for dingers will happen like all of that will yes it will um we are committed to these things we are not going anywhere um, we refuse to let this little shakeup <laughs> affect <laughs> our affect our operation here. We care too much about this community we've built to let this affect us. We will keep going um, and we are going to continue the show. So um, but thank you. Thank you to everyone who's really uh, supported the show over the years um, and 
and hopefully will continue to in this new chapter, it really, really means a lot to us. And if we didn't have this strong community uh, with us, we would not be able to continue to do this. So thank you all so, so much. Um, and we're excited for this this new new beginning for the show. So thanks for listening and thank you for continuing to listen. Uh, back to your regularly scheduled content. Um, so since the last time we recorded, um, Jeff McNeil uh, signed a four-year $50 million extension with the New York Woo! Mets with a 2027 club, uh, 2027 club option that could take his contract, the total value, to $63.75 million. Um, this is very exciting news. Um, I... I I I think I made a joke on the last podcast that now makes me look really silly about like because people were tinfoil hatting on social media because Jeff McNeil like posted a, uh, an Instagram story that he was at City Field um, and then he was at the Ranger game and Linda and I talked about how he was at the Ranger game and uh, <laughs> and like with his agent and and I was like guys that doesn't mean anything <laughs> well. <laughs> I will now start saying that Alonzo is not signing an extension. Right. <laughs> Guys, P. Alonzo. I, I will say, though, like if if the conspiracy theorists are, you know, are are the ones who are right here, like all of a sudden, shortly after the Jeff McNeil extension, there were suddenly a lot of articles by a lot of MLB insiders about like what a potential P. Alonzo contract extension could look like. So, you know, like. I, like it doesn't mean that it's imminent or anything, but I think that you know when all of the when a lot of guys have the same number at once, it probably means that they know something about what he maybe add what his agent might ask for in negotiations. Um, so hopefully that happens sometime down the line too. I think that that is it's a tougher thing to do than the McNeil extension, just because obviously it's going to be a lot more money, but the Mets should simply pay him because he's basically the franchise player on the on the position player side alongside uh francisco lindor so i think the business people say both sides are highly motivated highly yes. motivated um and in mcneil's case that was definitely the case as well um mcneil is is a special type of player in a lot of ways um he he didn't um he didn't make the major leagues until he was a little bit older um, and he was sort of like a, a rising story. Like he was not a top prospect. Um, and in fact, he was almost that he came dangerously close to being cut from the organization entirely um, because he was injured a lot. He was basically organizational depth. Luis Guillorme was seen as like a more viable utility infielder than him. Um, and he simply got his chance and he never let it go. And he is, um, I think Thomas Henderson published a piece in Amazing Avenue literally today about what a special player he is in baseball and something and a type of player that is really unique these days and, uh, and often undervalued. A player who makes a lot of contact and hits for high average um, and, you know, has hitting it where they ain't down to his science. And that's Jeff McNeil. Um, and I think that the Mets, <laughs> the Mets got a, a steal here in this contract. I think that if he were to make if he were to go to free agency, I could see him getting a pretty similar type of contract to what Brandon Nimmo got, for example. Um, that is, if he continued to produce at the level that he's been producing for virtually his whole major league career, minus one year. As we, so. yeah, and we went over that last time, that he is, like, scary 
consistent except for the one bad year. But other than that, like absolutely rock solid every year since the second he stepped foot in City Field. Well, yeah. that was my first thought when I saw the contract. I was like, that seems like a steal to me. Like, it seems like the med- he could have gotten, like, I mean, even the last pod, we were kind of saying, like, he could get Chris Bryant money um, because he of his versatility. And, you know, he came off a batting title. Yeah, and he, he won did- the dang batting title. Yeah, and if anything, I feel like, He's the star nobody's talking about. Like, he was at the Ranger game and Aaron Judge was there. So everybody was flipping out about Aaron Judge. And then, like, there's Jeff McNeil. And it was like crickets. <laughs> How do people and, not know who Jeff McNeil is? It's it's hard to follow Aaron Judge. Like, I'll... I will, um, <laughs> but you I should still it. know who Jeff McNeil is. He'll put a player in New York. Like... I know he's not Pete Alonso caliber kind of star, but he was an all star last year. He was. He was. This is not. You know, this is not new from him. No, he he's been a two time all star now. I think, and I think even even up until last year, really, I'm not even sure that the Mets believed he was that good. No, um, and but it's clear that they believe it now. <laughs> Uh, because they've they've um they've committed to keeping him in Queens long term, which I think is it, it it's it's the right move for everyone. And you know, Jeff McNeil is a player who you know because he he uh was sort of a late bloomer to the major leagues. Like this is like I know that we talk about how like like team friendly contracts and and things like that, but this is this is still life changing money for for Jeff McNeil and his family. And so for a guy who did not come up knowing that that was a possibility for him. Yeah. It's very different than a guy like Pete Alonso, who, you know, was a high draft pick, got a signing bonus, knows he's going to get paid regardless of whether that comes in the form of an extension or reaching free agency. He knows he's got a big payday in the future. Um, that wasn't necessarily a guarantee for Jeff McNeil, um, despite the batting title, despite everything. Um, and so, uh, because in part because of his age, because of the age at which he would reach free agency. So, you know, it's um, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for for Jeff McNeil and his family and the stability that it provides. And, the and you know, he can just like f- forget about his contract status and not worry about it and just play baseball. And that's, you know, there's something to be said for that. So and MLB gets a player who is deeply you know entrenched in a fan base who's able to stick around and continue to generate that excitement and build identity with a team, which is something that I feel like is so missing with like all the conversations about get like keeping interest in baseball and making more people interested in baseball, like letting fans build long-term relationships with players makes such a big difference and teams making the effort to sign those players to extensions, to keeping them around that, that builds the fan base that builds interest and engagement and that's really important and hopefully and Nelson, was it you who tweeted that you like the dichotomy <laughs> of 
McNeil screaming expletives yes. and McNeil and Brandon Nimble like, oh, shucks, run in reverse. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I did say that I was excited for that uh, sort of whiplash and dichotomy at the top of the lineup for many years to come to have like Brandon Nimmo. Although like in this lineup, given with the Mets, uh, the lineup that the Mets have put together, Jeff McNeil might be hitting toward the bottom. I have no idea, but he's he's a good two hitter also. So um, if, if if it's really like Brandon Nimmo leading off and Jeff McNeil hitting second or whatever, like just that dichotomy of like Brandon Nimmo, like aw shucks and sprinting to first base and then like Jeff McNeil striking out to lower his average from 334 to 332 like screaming the F word and like slamming his batting helmet down like it's just you know you need a little bit of everything to make a team work (laughs) I also appreciate that while he and Max Scherzer both shout expletives they are qualitatively different, and I can't explain yes. why. No, no, totally you're different. Absolutely right. There's I definitely feel like-, like a position player pitcher dichotomy when it comes to screaming curse words, but um, but this transcends that. There's something else like spiritual between them. I feel like Max Scherzer's cursing is like him screaming at himself, like like he just whips himself up into like this rage yeah where he it just like spontaneously like needs like the to ancient release. celtic warriors who would like go <laughs> screaming into battle on yes and everything yes yeah. that's exactly yes. what it is but mcneil is like more like the everyman where it's like ah yeah. shit <laughs> like, it's, like the, it's like the equivalent of come on man but with like four f-bombs yeah yeah, yeah. It's it like really when I, like you know drop my pen at work. I'm like, ah, oh, crap! Like, <laughs> like it's equivalent, just like angrier. I feel like Max Scherzer is like is like using it as like a competitive energy to like whip up like to strike fear in his opponents too. Like, yeah, I feel like like he is he is using those f words in combination with like his stare down to like you know like strike fear in the in deep in the souls of his opponents whereas jeff mcneil i feel like all that energy is directed inward it's bottled (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i i I, and you know i'm just really excited that the mets have between now jeff mcneil and hopefully if the mets can keep pete alonso in queens long term and francisco lindor and brandon nimmo they have a very solid like core of talent that they can build upon for for many years to come now in queens and that's a a very exciting thing obviously they still have to uh build that up on the starting pitching side of things they have a great rotation this year but as far as like the long-term solutions that like they're they're still kind of looking for that but hopefully it'll come someday um but on the position player side they at least have a very solid core to work with here um so that's very exciting. And the, the double play tandem is intact for a long time now. Uh, Jeff McNeil and Francisco Lindor is a pretty darn good uh, middle infield, I say. After that one no pickup of that one year where um, the, uh, the raccoon issue, um, they seem to have moved, moved past that. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um. So we're going to uh we're going to pivot into some bad news but then we'll go back to good news. I'm trying to like alternate between good things and bad things. So started with the good thing. Now we kind of have to talk about some bad news. Um so 
the latest player um, accused of sexual violence is a Mets player, as it turns out, or was <laughs> until yesterday, a Mets player. Um, Khalil Lee was accused of assaulting and choking his ex-girlfriend. Um, and th- this was an incident that occurred um, a while ago, um, like last year, May, May of 2022. The Mets claim that they immediately notified the league upon becoming aware of the allegations. But the timeline is a little bit fuzzy because the all of these details are just becoming public now. So we don't know when exactly that was. The Mets say they notified the league immediately, but we don't know when the Mets became aware exactly. Um, We know the incident occurred in May and Lee's ex-girlfriend went to the police the morning after it happened. So pretty much immediately. Um, But at one point after the incident, Lee was promoted from AAA to the major leagues very briefly in June for like two games before being sent back down. Um, and then in August, an arrest warrant was signed by a judge. And in that warrant, it says that MLB counsel is aware of the charges. So at the very latest, August is when the league was aware, a.k.a. the Mets say they told the league immediately. But there is there is still a time window and a chance that the Mets knew about this before they promoted him to the major leagues. Um, and if that's the case, that would be pretty pretty bad <laughs> sure hope it's not the case no yeah. and i feel like this is one of those situations where i just have to not make myself crazy and i just have to carry on with the assumption that they did not know yeah. and i will of course be open to any evidence suggesting that they did and i will not be surprised but just like one of those things where if i'm gonna love this team man i have to at least be able to reasonably take the assumption that perhaps they did not know yeah um i will say that and again i do not know i have no insider information here i do not know the circumstances surrounding this but we know because it's public record you know the transactions that the team performs are out there for everyone to see you can you can just go on the like uh mlb.com transaction page for Khalil Lee which i did immediately be- uh, upon becoming aware of this news because i remember thinking to myself he was demoted from AAA to St. Lucie mysteriously randomly last year i wonder if it lines up with this and the answer is the demotion occurred on May 12th, which is like five days after the incident occurred. I do mm. not know if it has mm. anything to do with um, with this incident. I just know that at the time it happened, everybody was kind of like, that's weird. Khalil Lee was demoted from AAA to St. Lucie. Like, and usually that type of stuff doesn't happen unless either A, there's an injury that they don't want people to know about that's not public Which, to be there- fair could always be the case for the Mets. yes exactly um and that's and that and as far as we know there was no public report of an injury at that time but it's possible that there was a non-public <laughs> injury um or it, if there's not an injury these things are often punitive for some reason um it could have been because of this it could have been because he missed practice or because he like slagged off running the first base. like you do we do not know um but it's worth noting that there was a demotion that lines up with the time that this incident occurred i do not know if the mets knew about it because if if the demotion was punitive because of this it indicates that the mets were aware of the situation 
is yeah. all I'm saying. But we don't but we don't know that. I can't I can't speak against the team when I don't know these things for sure. I am just saying what is public information. Um and I'm allowing people to draw their own conclusions about it. Um this is a well, this is an organization that obviously does not have a good track record in this department. Uh I was just gonna say that. Like, do they deserve the benefit of the doubt? I but don't. sadly, I mean it shouldn't matter whether like the role that the player plays on the team it shouldn't matter whether it's you know the best the the best player on the team the guy making 300 million dollars or a an organizational like 40 man roster player um is in the case with Khalili an up and down sort of player it shouldn't matter which it is the they should be you know punished just the same um but sadly with these teams it often does matter um and Khalili was promptly designated for assignment by the Mets um yesterday actually um and uh but then the Mets went ahead used that roster spot to pick up former Phillies reliever Sam Coonrod who um doesn't have a good track record uh himself not in this area but in other areas uh not a big vaccine dude not a big vaccine dude and very notably refused to kneel during the black lives matter protests um you know in the aftermath of george floyd uh and everything that was happening dom smith gave some gave a lot of quotes during that time period um sam coonrod very notably was like one of the only people on the field who refused to kneel in his game and he gave um a rather uh disgusting oh yeah quote after uh which i can read he said i meant no ill will by it i don't think i'm better than anybody i'm just a christian i believe i can't kneel before anything but god jesus christ i choose not to kneel i feel if i did kneel i'd be a hypocrite i don't want to be a hypocrite and he goes on to say i can't get on board with a couple of things i've read about black lives matter how they lean toward marxism and said some negative things about the nuclear family stop making them sound cool buddy yeah right like I will never fail to be amazed by conservatives who make like who make like liberals and like people on the left seem like way cooler than they actually are. Well, and also, I was like, is it the goal of this team to just create a bullpen out of chuds? Yeah, you got Brooks Raley and Sam Coonrod. I'm sure they'll get along famously with each other. Yeah, like why, 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 why? You like you got rid of you know some an awful incident and an awful I don't want then replaced him with this yeah like I'm not trying I mean, to why? equate these I'm not trying to equate these two things it's just like no. it's but one of it's those things karma it's just one of those things where it's like I mean the the way I worded it when I tweeted about it was yay the Mets finally got rid of Khalil Lee monkey's paw curls <laughs> it's like one of those be careful what you why wish for things clubhouse guy yeah. Yeah. clubhouse guy they got lots of, I, I mean i feel like this is the problem with relievers is that they're all like characters yeah and that's yeah. like a lot of characters are great but then there are these characters and they are a lot and not great it's like no. this is what you're really replacing like trevor may's roster spot with <laughs> like come on yeah, um there have been somebody out there who yeah and like at least outwardly a chud. Well, I will say from a baseball perspective, I know exactly why the Mets did this instead of 
Zach Britton insert other more proven major leaguer here, it's because Sam Coonrod has a minor league option. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mets very notably said, um, now, I mean, I'm not trying to pretend that the Mets bullpen is like awful and they still need to sign like five more guys. Like they're, they're, they're in pretty good shape. Um, but they notably want to fill their like remaining like spots. They have like, you know, the slots that they have set aside for the guys who are like almost certainly going to make the team, like the established guys that they already signed. And then they want those remaining slots to be guys they can kind of shuttle back and forth and optionable relievers. They openly said that they want optionable relievers. So that is why I think that they targeted, um, you know, Sam Coonrod over someone else who is, you know, who Better. does doesn't have who's better who doesn't have options um but it is unfortunate that he comes along with his personality (laughs) like we said he'll get along just fine with brooks really yeah so i mean it's it's definitely i mean he was he was bad last year it's it's definitely not even close to a guarantee he makes the team um he's just there to be like triple a depth um but still not great uh but that's i mean but they did the right thing and in DFA and clearly. Uh so you know. It's just sad that once again, like when they even when they do the right thing, they can't do the right thing. Yeah. It's oh, there's a, it, this is also a reminder of how it really is not at all about the behavior or the crime for the teams. It is really just about how valuable they think that that player is. Yeah. Yes. Like if it wasn't Kalioli, if it was, you know, some Mets starting outfielder, I don't even want to put it into the universe don't. who it could possibly be. But if it was somebody who was seen by the team as very valuable, he would not have been DFA'd after two days. He Correct. they would be you they'd know, be waiting to hear more detail. Buying time, yeah, looking into it, like, you know, so I mean I'm like Good riddance to Khalil Lee, and you know, I I hope there is healing for his partner and her family. Um, but you know, it it doesn't necessarily mean that they would be doing the same thing if somebody more prominent had done what Khalil Lee did, allegedly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's I mean, we, we I'm sure we will eventually hear more about how this like legal incident unfolds, but it is worth noting that um that his arrest was not actually about like he was not it's because she's suing him for like emotional damages for the incident. So that is why we are becoming aware of this now and why it's becoming public now many months after the actual incident occurred. It's because the lawsuit is public um, and and Syracuse.com reported on it. So that's like kind of the legal battle that is happening is that his his ex is suing um, for damages because of the incident. Um, so I guess if, if that does Uh, If we do hear updates about that, we will provide updates. Swinging back to more positive news, um, although some may see this as controversial, we we will see um, because Evan Drellich's new book is due to hit the shelves very soon, if not already. When's it when's it coming out? It's like this week, I think. Um, But Carlos Beltran is leaving Yes Network. 
for a job in the Mets front office, special assistant to the general manager. So Carlos Beltran is, after all of this, after all of this saga, he's joining the Mets front office. <laughs> um, so a long and winding road. <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, and like, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, like, it's it's interesting timing, this, because the book is about to come out. And I don't know if the Mets got an advanced copy of the book and are comfortable with uh, Beltran's portrayal therein, uh, such that they were like, okay, we can actually hire him, it's fine. Um, or if they are unaware of what his portrayal will be, if it's negative. And I hope we don't have to do this whole song and dance again, where it's like, oh, he's joining the Mets. Oh, just kidding. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again. I think that you would think they would have conducted a more thorough interview (laughs) this time. Exactly. I would hope so. Anyway, it's got big Carlos Correa's second press conference. energy. (laughs) Yeah, really? (laughs) Um, so, I mean, we'll see. Obviously, like, I don't think Beltran would have left his job, his, like, broadcasting job, if he didn't think that this was, like, a legit opportunity that wasn't going to have the rug pulled out from him again. Um, and- well, also, he was back in the news anyway, because this was his first year of eligibility for the Hall for of Fame. For the Hall of Fame, yes. And there's also, you know, there's that debate. Does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame now because he was connected to this? Yeah. Um, And we'll find out more details once uh, the book comes out. I mean, there have been excerpts that have already come out. Um, I mean, we we talked about this, you know, kind of um, at the time or closer to the time when The Athletic reported the whole Astros cheating scandal to begin with that. You know, and when we and when Beltran was hired and subsequently no longer hired as the Mets manager that, you know, he's uh, he like how much of a ringleader he's depicted as um, in the book um, is 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 remains to be seen. But it's worth noting that um, obviously he's one of the only players that's that is implicated in this that is not protected by the union because he's no longer a player now. So he was also one of the few who got punished. Right. Because he's not protected by the union. Yeah. So, but is that enough? Like when is it, when is his punishment enough at the same time? Yeah. Like Um, everybody else. To be fair at the time, at least there did seem to, and that's why I think Evan's book should be really interesting at the time. There certainly did seem to be the message that Beltran had played a larger role in kind of overseeing this cheating scheme. And again, like, I don't know how much, how that holds up to inquiry. Um, if, If it is the case, then that does at least make some argument for him receiving somewhat higher proportionate, you know, punishment. But it does also seem like if you're not going to ban the guy from baseball yeah. and he hasn't like horribly harmed somebody, then like, let's just move on. Like, right. Yeah. Wouldn't it be Manfred's decision whether he can work in baseball or not? And Manfred has clearly deemed it. Okay. He hasn't yeah. expelled him from the game. So the Mets are free to hire him. Yeah. Um, Sounds to me. And it, I mean, like, if if you think about it, 
every single person, pretty much, aside from like Jeff Lou now, every single person that has been in, that was involved in this in this cheating scandal has re- gotten another job afterwards. Yeah. Um, the players have all gotten pa- like the major players uh, involved, besides Beltran, like the ones who are still playing now. All have gotten their paydays since then. Um, And, you know, all these front office dudes, all these Astros front office dudes have permeated throughout the rest of the sport. The entire Orioles front office is built off of the former Astros front office people. That's it's all uh, former Astros guys, all of them, pretty much the whole front office. And like a lot of the Braves front office is are these lieutenants who used to be at the Astros. Like Hinch got a new job. Hinch got a new job. Cora got a new job. Like all like all these people all got jobs after. So it's it would be unique for Beltran to continue to be punished when everybody else has pretty much like gotten to move on from this i was gonna say at this point either you have to take a stand and say whoever was involved is expelled from the game or like you can't pick and choose at this point either they all did it or none of them did it yeah well and the the correct time to have this conversation was also when it happened yes right when there actually should have been more consequences for everyone involved especially the leadership involved especially um, guys who basically got nothing. Um, the Mets just literally signed somebody who was involved. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, and I feel like the answer is not that, like, you know, Carlos Beltran shouldn't be in trouble because it was not a bad thing that happened. It's more just like the thing happened. Y'all decided not to really punish anyone for it. So now it is several years later and this dude wants a job and should probably have one yeah why can the Mets sign Justin Verlander but can't hire Carlos Beltran you can't have it both ways right exactly um so I mean like I I don't know like obviously the like he's never going to shake the specter of this when it comes to like his legacy in the game um but I am excited to have him back in the Mets organization as far as just like, you know, like he's he's an all time Met for me. Like, I was gonna say, do you think they retire his number now? Um, I think it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had said at the time when they brought him back as manager and after after they like he, they subsequently fired him. I said that that was like it for his Mets legacy, basically. And he's not going to get his number retired. None of this. But this changes all of that now, I think. I think that this indicates a willingness on the organization's part to welcome him back. Um, so I think that there's a possibility that his number will be retired. Yeah, we'll see. I think that yeah, they're definitely going. They have to have that conversation, especially if he gets into the Hall of Fame in a couple of years. He got forty six percent of the vote, which is obviously short of the seventy five, but that's still a healthy percentage of votes. Yeah. I mean, if he gets into the Hall well. of Fame, yeah. If he gets into the Hall of Fame, I feel like the Mets kind of have no choice. That's basically like the rule that they had set for themselves when they were yeah. still being super strict about number of retirements. Um, like that's when they finally retired Piazza's number. Um, so I think that they kind of will almost have to, uh, just based on like the precedent that they've been setting for it. Um, 
So, yeah, I guess we'll see how that whole thing unfolds. Um, the final bit of Mets news, um, which I think uh, kind of uh, flows well into the beginning of our baseball segment because we're going to talk about owners again, um, is uh, Jeff Passan uh, published uh, a really interesting um, ESPN uh, Plus article um, yesterday um, with some with some really like I thought like strong quotes from Steve Cohen in this piece um, about like, you know, about payroll, about spending, about what it's going to take to build a competitive team, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I want to read this one particular quote because I just felt like the I mean, he, like, it's not the first time that Steve Cohen has said something like this, but a, I think this is the strongest he's worded it. And B, it's like the 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 surrealness of it all of having an owner that's willing to say stuff like this has like not worn off for me yet. And I don't know if it ever will. Um, so Steve Cohen says in this piece, I've heard what everyone else has heard that they're not happy with me. They're being the other, they meaning the other owners. I hear things from people who are maybe more neutral that they're taking a lot of heat from their fans. I kind of look at that like you're looking at the wrong person. They're pitting it on me. Maybe they need to look more at themselves. I'm not responsible for how other teams run their clubs. I'm really not. That's not my job. And there are disparities in baseball. We know that to be true. I'm following the rules. They set the rules down. I'm following them. And I was like, dang. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like, what I'm saying that. It's pretty, pretty clear. Like, I'm not responsible for how other teams run their clubs. I was like, oh, dang. Like, he's just Tell basically... how you really feel. Exactly. Like, and, and he's right. He is. He's Cohen... right. It is not Steve Cohen's fault that the that the A's owner and uh, is crying poverty. It is not. It is not his fault. He is playing within the rules that the... Uh, CBA has set forward and he's paying the tax for for signing for having a large payroll he, like <laughs> it's not well, his problem it's they, they should look at themselves they could all afford to have this this payroll and they're choosing they're making every day that they walk out that they roll their their own roster out there they are making a choice to not build a more competitive roster. That is an active choice that these other owners are making. Well, like we said, like Steve Cohen didn't get to where he did by being nice. So if they're gonna, you know, he's not gonna take, you know, people blaming him for, you know, like how the Rockies can't be uncompetitive. Like, you absolutely can. Don't put this on Steve Cohen. He's not going to take that. It's absolutely not his fault that the rest of the league just wants to be cheap. And so if you're going to be cheap, why not take advantage of it? You're not going to sign the players anyway, so why shouldn't we get all of them? Um, yeah. Uh, there there were a couple of other um tidbits that were that were less spicy, but like I thought still interesting. Uh, sort of not buried, but like you know within this piece that is behind a payroll and a paywall, unfortunately. But I I have access to it because I pay for the ESPN Plus Hulu Disney Plus bundle, <laughs> so I have ESPN Plus. So I was able to read it. Um, 
And something that was interesting, I'm not going to read any more like direct quotes, but there were a couple of like tidbits uh, in this piece that I found interesting that I think are like kind of new information, even if they're things that like he has hinted at in the past. Um, Steve Cohen also said during this interview that he kind of like he said like that it'd be great to get the payroll to a point where I don't have to pay the tax anymore. I think I don't think he means like pay any luxury tax period. I think he means like the highest bracket that he's currently paying. Um, so that does hint at like a I'm not going to actually run this level forever, which I think we we knew as fans that this was that this was a possibility that he wasn't going to just keep doing this forever, even though he could. But that wasn't necessarily always in the cards because he always talked about being Dodgers East. What are the Dodgers doing right now? They're doing a luxury tax reset. They are they did not notably did not spend very much money this offseason on purpose to get back under the tax. Um, The idea is but the Dodgers, the difference between the Dodgers and the Mets right now is that the Dodgers have a top farm system in baseball and the Mets do not have that. They have like although we put in saying Matthew Allen needs a second Tommy John surgery. That is something I didn't put in my Mets notes. There is one of their top prospects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the sad that's that was very sad news. I I do feel bad. Um, I unfortunately like I would. I would be surprised at this point if Matthew Allen has a major league career of any. Kind. That's a lot to come back from. Yeah. yeah, it's it. Once he, I mean, I, I, I fully believe that he is going to make every effort, and you know, he's young. Like it's not. He should. He should try to come back. Um, but if he follows the like normal, uh, the normal timeline for a Tommy John. It's going to be going on five years since he'll have pitched in a professional game. And that's just, that's a long time. That's a really long time. And um, didn't he have some other kind of surgery? Yeah, too? he like, had older his- nerve uh, transposition surgery in between the two Tommy Johns. Um, and that's something that Jacob deGrom has had in the past. That's something that Steven Matz had in the past. So it's something that, like, it's it's m- m- way more minor than a Tommy John, but it's, you know, another elbow surgery. Yeah. And it's more time because that's his biggest, you know, it's not just the recovery, but like you were saying, like, five years between major league games is too long. And every minor surgery or minor injury, it just ends up being about the time. Um, but the goal that Steve Cohen is envisioning for the Mets is, you know, spending the money, like spending the money now in free agency while the Mets don't necessarily have the pieces coming up. I mean, they have, you know, not to say they don't have prospects. They obviously have Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, like they have these guys, um, but they don't have the level of depth in their farm system that the Dodgers have. Um, And they are working at player development and drafting strategy and in investing in these other areas of the team so that they can build a sustainable farm system that can replenish when guys leave for free agency so that they don't have to go out and do what they did this off season and literally plug Jacob deGrom with, uh, with Justin Verlander and plug, you know, Chris Bassett with Kodai Sanga and, and Jose and plug, you know, Taiwan Walker with Jose Quintana. Like they don't have to plug every single hole with a free agent. They can instead do a combination and run a slightly lower payroll um, but still be a very good baseball team, which is essentially what the Dodgers are doing right now. Um, and I, so I think that like Steve Cohen 
hinted in this article that that is really the long term plan and that this this crazy spending is not going to be the long term. But he understands that it's what's necessary right now. And I think that's reasonable. I think that's all you can ask for. Otani would take care of a few issues. (laughs) Indeed. Checks a lot of boxes. Yes, he does. Um, And there have already been um, a lot of articles coming out uh, connecting the Mets to Otani. Um, Like, I think that it's it's already no secret that Steve Cohen wants to sign Shohei Otani. Um, I have... I, I mean, I would I would literally fall over on the spot if that happened. I would be so happy. Um, I worry about the Correa thing kind of playing out again with Otani, not necessarily to the point where like they sign him and then they don't not like that sort of thing. But like it seemed like Cohen was all in on Correa and then like certain the certain more process oriented elements of the front office maybe like reined him in a little bit. And I'm worried that those those same elements are still there and are going to still be there next offseason. Like those guys are still around. Um, but I think but the if difference is Cohen wants Otani. He's going to have Otani. Exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna say, what can you really argue against Otani? Exactly, I mean, and, and he and he does check a lot of boxes for the Mets, who do not oh, have a good joint, who can always use more pitching. Scherzer can opt out next year. Yes, so yeah, I mean, it, it is a natural marriage, and you know, it also is the case for an elite free agent like that that his market is going to be somewhat smaller, just because realistically three quarters of the league is not willing to pay a reasonable rate to him. So, you know, it really, I I think there's just, there's, there's a lot of, what was it? What did I say before? It was like a mutually beneficial, mutually, I don't know. Everybody wants it. That's the thing. Yeah. And, and this is, uh, and this is a point that, um, that Jeff Padnasher and Jared Seidler made on for all you kids out there recently that I completely agree with, which is that, you know, if you, if you like, you can, you can, you can listen to these process dorks talk about how Carlos Correa might not be like at the contract that the Mets initially signed him for might not be worth it because of his ankle, because of X, Y, Z. And you like do all these calculations and decide that it's an overpay or whatever. You can't actually process argument your way out of like, out of like signing Shohei Otani. Like there's no like, process argument to make there because there's no like replacing him with like equivalent pieces of lesser like that get paid less money like there's like even if you want a dollars per war the thing you like he breaks that you like can't do it because he's two players in one player he is literally a unique player in baseball history there is no like price tag that you can dollars per war that at you just can't it's basically a free roster spot. Yeah. <laughs> a free roster spot spilled, uh, filled by one of the best players in the game. Like, you've got like, a an elite DH with like 40 home run power and a top of the rotation starter in one player. It should insane. be a joke. It feels like a joke. It does. Like, it's just, yeah. The Mets should absolutely sign Shohei Otani. And I don't think that... 
Cohen giving that quote about eventually dialing back the payroll to reset the tax or whatever when the Mets have a more sustainable farm system is is goes against their pursuit of Otani. I think that that I don't think those two things are in opposition to each other. Um, I think that Cohen is just thinking like short term and then long term. Um, and, you know, like the, the Mets, like, you know, long term, even if they give Shohei Otani untold millions of dollars, which they should do, um, like they're still set up fine long term, like financially speaking, because they got a lot of money coming off the books in the next couple of years. So, you know, it's I don't think we should worry about <laughs> Steve Cohen's money. Um, <laughs> He'll keep the lights on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the final little tidbit that I thought was interesting in this piece, um, in this uh, Jeff Passan article, um, was they were they were talking about like the future of the Mets front office. And Passan wrote, the biggest signing between now and then may might be a new team president to replace the departing Sandy Alderson, though Cohen said, my bar is pretty high and I don't feel in any rush. I'm going to wait for the right person. So I found this interesting because, like, I don't know. I know that Cohen's not going to go out there and say publicly to the media, to ESPN, like, can't wait to get this guy the heck out of here. sucks but it does as as a person who is itching to move on from the sandy alderson era of the mets that did not bring me great comfort (laughs) well also i mean i also i don't think he wants i don't i don't think he wants a team president at all yeah i think that's what it is yeah and i think that um you know team president is not like a pervasive you know part of team building in MLB and it's also like I mean not new new but like you know relatively like it's a position that's grown in importance in recent you know years a decade um and I I think like with a really heavily involved owner I don't think that that's really something necessary I think you get a GM who's you know cut above I mean not like Sandy Alderson level but, but you know someone who is is has a really good grasp of kind of the big picture. Um, and then those two work together. Like, I, I don't think he wants that other cook in the kitchen. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah and then just let Epler fill out his front office, which he did. And now he's added Beltran. Like you don't really need one right now. Yeah. I think they're going to, they're going to, I would be surprised if they hired anyone in the next few years. Yeah. Notably, uh, they're the guy they've been connected to the most for this sort of role, David Stearns, also a product of that Astros era front office, too. So, like, these the influence of that front office is everywhere in baseball, including among, like, still very respected executives in the game now. Um, so, yeah, uh... But yeah, we'll we'll go right into um, from Steve Cohen to I, I guess we'll, we'll continue our um, our segment that we are calling "I took the form of a forty five year old white man for a reason." I can only fail up, or every time you want to be mad at Steve Cohen, think about how much worse things could be. Um, so, in comparison, we are going to now talk about Rockies owner Dick Monfort. Um, he 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 gave it we're we're adding to the collection of like all timers that uh, that owners and and or their progeny 
uh, have uh, all-time quotes that they have given this offseason. They have given us a lot of content to work with. So uh, Dick Monfort uh, gave an interview uh, that was in the Denver Post. And so two main things from this. First of all, he said that he thinks that the Rockies can play 500 baseball. Like, that's the goal. Like, Ooh, he's, like, really hype about that. An optimist. Goals. We have a lot of talent. A lot of good things are going to happen. And I think they're going to start happening this year. And I think we can play 500 ball. <laughs> like, that, like the, that's that's the bar that we're aiming for. That is some, that is some Ted Lasso. <clears throat> Ted Lasso level uh, just positivity right there like <laughs> rockies baseball catch the fever yeah like nothing gets the fans hyped up by being like i think we can be a 500 ball club i got goosebumps <laughs> dang <laughs> sign Bold. me up um so then he kind of he, he he goes on and this this part it's like it's very dig up stupid like it's oh it gets worse okay so Someone, uh, I guess the, I guess the, the, someone asked him, um, about the pressure to spend more money in, in the NL West to compete because of, because they, he, they, Rocky share a division with the Padres and the Dodgers, most notably. Um, and he said, that puts a lot of pressure on us, but it's not just the Padres, it's the Mets, the Phillies. This has been an interesting year. What the Padres are doing, I don't 100% agree with, though I know our fans probably agree with it. We'll see how it works out. I look at the Padres, and they have a really talented team, but they have some holes too. They've got three, maybe four starting pitchers, and then they're sort of like us. Sort of like them? <laughs> That's so much. They've got three or four her. starting pitchers, and then they're just like the Rockies. You guys, it's the same. Oh, like do they? Have, they the Padres have Machado, Soto, and Tatis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> Where um, can the Rockies compete with that? Uh, I thought I might be able to come up with some little pithy joke, but there is none. It's they, just they can't. They traded not... away their franchise player and paid the Cardinals to take him. No, but what the Padres are doing, Linda, spending money on good players, he doesn't 100% agree with. Him. They paid the Cardinals to take Nolan Arenado. Oh, God. What are the Rockies doing? What are the Rockies ever doing? They're making money. Yeah, they sure are. Like every other baseball team. Yep. Yep. Anyway, I just, I thought that was really, really (laughs) special. Little money machine go vroom. I I don't know how you can, in the same interview, say that your goal is to play 500 ball and then say the Padres are sort of like you. Outside of Chris Bryant, I can't name one Rocky on the team right now. Uh, John Gray is on the Rangers. Is CJ Blackman still play, or uh, Charlie Blackman? I could, I, I, I meshed. Uh, <laughs> I, I meshed DJ Crone and Charlie Blackman into one player. CJ Crone is not on the Rockies anymore, but Charlie Blackman, I think, is still on the Rockies. <laughs> so Poor is guy. he their franchise star at this point? Rockies roster resource. This is this is what we're doing. This is good <laughs> content, you guys. Let's <laughs> let's look at who's on the Rockies now. How many Rockies can you name? Let's remind ourselves he's on the Rockies. 
Besides I believe Chris we've Pratt. played that game for other teams. Um, Wait, is Senator- Kyle Freeman still there? Uh, yes, Kyle Freeland is their number two starter. Their <laughs> number one starter is Herman Marquez, who is oh good. yeah, he's okay, good. he's good. But but, yeah. but but beyond that, the the rotation is is uh is Kyle Freeland, who who did not have a good year last year. Um, Jose Urania, Austin Gomber, and Connor Siebold. Okay, oh, Gomber's one they got for Arnado. Yes. Um, oh, and Daniel Bard's the closer. He's good. They, he we know, good, we yeah. know him. The rest of this bullpen, like, I've, I've maybe heard of some of these guys. <laughs> well, no, I'll be on other teams by August anyway, so don't put too much time into. <laughs> Their setup men, at least according to roster resource, are Pierce Johnson and D- Dillinson Lamette, who they picked up off waivers, who's like like who used to be a starting pitcher and they've decided is a setup man now. And then the rest of this bullpen is Lucas Gilbreth, Justin Lawrence, Brent Suter, Nick Mears, and Jake Bird. I've heard Wasn't of one of those guys. Wasn't Suter DFA'd by the Brewers? Yes. He was <laughs> he was DFA'd by the Brewers in November and the, the Rockies picked him up. So that that's the one I've heard of of all those guys. So Not that's what you the want. bullpen. So they picked um, up a bunch of DFA guys to create their bullpen, basically. Yeah, so so here we go. Here here's the here's the Rockies starting lineup. We've got in center field, we've got Jonathan Daza. In left field, we have Chris Bryant. In oh no, wait, CJ Cron is still on the Rockies. Oh, okay, yeah. good for him. There you go. I combined CJ Cron and Charlie Blackman into one player, and they are both still on the Rockies, so I'm gonna give myself two points for that. I would definitely give you two points uh, for that. Uh, at third base, we have Ryan McMahon, who is a guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And then first base, CJ Cron, fine. DH, Charlie Blackman, fine. Second base, Brendan Rogers, who was there last year. Starting right fielder, Randall Grichik, get hype. Oh, um, yeah. Catcher, Elias Diaz, and shortstop, Ezekiel Tovar. That is not a good team. That's not what you want. <laughs> that is not almost just like the Padres. <laughs> That's just dudes making on them making a team. That's that's just CJ Cron hitting some dingers. It's like <laughs> if you made a team out of every other team's eighth best player. Yeah, <laughs> more or less. And whatever but, is left of Charlie Blackman at this but, point. But the Padres just have a few starting pitchers that are better than them, and other than that, they're they're the same team. You guys, no difference. They're the same team. <laughs> um. So that was like really. I really liked that. I really got a, a, a hearty, a hearty chuckle. Because I think last year they were the only team that didn't sign any. Was it last year or the year before? They didn't make a single free agent signing. That sounds right. That's I don't out. remember what year it was. It had to have been the year before because they signed Chris Bryant last yeah. year. Yeah, you're right. So, it, so year. it had to have been the free the year before. But so have they even like, besides DFA dudes, have they even like made any well, I don't think Randall Richick was on the team last year. No, yeah. Oh, the oh no, wait, he was a trade. I'm sorry, they traded for him last year. That's right. <laughs> on purpose? So, <laughs> yes, on purpose. From right. he, they got him from the Blue Jays last year, so he was on the Rockies last year. I memory hold that completely. So who they trade for him? So who have they signed? Um, who they sign? Let's find out if they've signed anyone this off season. In at least well, was in this- not a DFA. Among the starting, Jesus Christ, was it Rogers? Was Rogers there last year? Uh, 
Rogers was there last year. Rogers okay. is a um, homegrown player. He's a first round pick. Oh my god, it's literally just like these dudes they picked up off waivers for the bullpen. <laughs> oh oh, Pierce Johnson. That he's like like a, an actual setup man. They did sign him this off season. I do not know how much money they gave but, him. It can't be a lot. No. They but they did give him a free agent contract in December. So their setup man is the one person they signed. Pierce Johnson Rockies. Let's see who they signed him for. I'm trying to find out. Yeah, a one year a one year five million dollar deal. Pierce Johnson, what are you doing to yourself, man? I don't know who you are or where you came from, but there had to have been a better team you could have signed with. So as near as I can tell, that is the only money that they have spent in free. Uh, checks out <laughs> this offseason. So yep. Well, I mean, well, they're not wrong that five hundred is the goal. Five hundred would be a good good outcome good showing for, for the for this team. <laughs> that would be not a, a really lie. good outcome for this team. <laughs> not a lie. Um so in other um in other uh shenanigans, uh ownership shenanigans, I guess this is the ending of some shenanigans. So it's kind of a positive thing. Um the Angelo's family has settled their lawsuit around control of the Orioles. So that that our, our long national nightmare is over. The Angelos have stopped suing each other over control of the team. Um so <laughs> that is a thing. I don't actually know like the terms are not yet released. So I don't know we don't know yet know as far as I know what the outcome is. They they didn't release the like actual details of the settlement. I know that the one the one brother, the one who gave the quote about the you can come to the warehouse whenever you want, John Angelos, he's the one who's been running the Orioles, more or less. Um, not the other brother is the one who's been trying to g- grab some control. But apparently that's over now. So <laughs> good news for 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 the Orioles fans. <laughs> I guess that they, I guess the owners have stopped, or the the two fail sons have stopped fighting. So at least there's that. Ugh. They still haven't oh, signed man. enough free. I remember when those would be good news days for the Mets. Not the exact, yeah. obviously. Like there was only one fail son, but they had their own permutation of ridiculous interpersonal spats that somehow managed to just shit all over every possible on field move. And yep. uh, yeah, so I. My way of saying, like, I feel you, Orioles fans. Hang in there. Yep. There could be another Steve Cohen, except there won't be. They'll never let another Steve Cohen buy a baseball team ever again. No, absolutely not. But maybe something else will happen. You never know. You could you could be 500. Just look at the Rockies. <laughs> you too can be 500. The Orioles were much better than 500 last year. That's true. <laughs> That's the travesty of it all, is that the team is actually good now, and they're not doing enough to... to take them over the top they should like if if they actually like you know were serious owners they would they would invest in the team now and that they would be competitive in that division 
It would be like a a good, a pretty well set wild card team at least. Because the I mean, Red Sox kind of are bad now. The Red Sox are pretty bad now. Yes, and they they should compete in that division. Like if if the if the Orioles were serious, because they have enough like baseline talent to do it, but they instead decided that Kyle Gibson was the linchpin of their rotation. Literally used the word linchpin to describe Kyle Gibson. Is there another Kyle Gibson than the one I'm thinking of? <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. That's the one. He's the linchpin. That's what Michael Elias said. Astros product Michael Elias, everyone. Uh so the um the other like wider baseball like sort of story that I kind of wanted to draw attention to this week um is that Daniel Epstein wrote a, a fantastic article in Baseball's Perspectives that I wanted to talk a little bit about um because I think it's something that I mean it's something that we've taught uh, that we kind of like touched on this or like adjacent topics on this podcast before when we talk about media blackouts um and the issue that that presents to the game and growing the game um and a big part of the politics of all of that is um is regional sports networks um who have like a stranglehold over you know the rights to baseball games in their uh respective regions um and there uh uh the really great article in baseball perspectives detailed um you know a specific regional sports network um bally sports regional sports networks um which is like a whole group of regional sports networks um that are owned by diamond sports group that is sort of heading for bankruptcy um and that could affect like up to 16 clubs whose broadcasting rights could be up in the air if if like these if, if diamond sports group um, that controls all these Bally Sports regional sports networks, like, goes under. Um, and Diamond Sports Group, <laughs> I know everyone's eyes are glazing over, Diamond Sports Group is owned by none other than Sinclair Broadcasting. So Sinclair Broadcasting, for those of you who aren't familiar, um, they are a a terrible evil corporation um that own a lot of local broadcast networks more often news like local news channels um and they basically they're they're they don't care about baseball they're buying up these failed these sort of failing regional sports networks for stock buybacks and they're and they're doing this like repeatedly and this is be this has become like a huge problem and it will have like wide-ranging consequences for our ability to, to watch game. baseball games yeah <laughs> love to build a customer base yeah so like that's the type of like stuff we're looking at here with regional sports networks is like sinclair is like swooping in for stock buybacks of these like failing regional sports networks and like basically like using them to like make money instead of like actually broadcast baseball games um so yeah this is this is like a, a growing issue um and it's like a business of baseball thing that's like not a particularly sexy thing to talk about but it's something that I think at least warrants like highlighting that like this is going on um so shout out to Daniel for writing that article um I'll link it in the show notes and the tweets and you can read a lot more about it um because he goes into a lot more detail about it um than I will here on the show but um yeah it's it's bleak 
didn't they just partner with somebody else now too? Like there's going to be a Tuesday night baseball on something else now. It's like Peacock how many damn or something? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm like how many damn things do I need to watch baseball now? I know it's like ridiculous. Like I'm, I'm fine with you know the like Saturday Fox game or whatever, but baseball should be on in roughly the same place, roughly every time. Yeah, just. Because people are lazy and they want to watch baseball and that should be accommodated. And like, I have no issue with like a nationally televised game, but at least give SNY the rights to broadcast it as well. Like if it's going to be on Apple TV or whatever, let SNY broadcast it at the same time. Right. (sighs) Yeah. So... That will continue to be a problem um, as more and more uh, as the like local media landscape continues to change and like the mm-hmm. way that we like access sports changes. Um, the final bit of like, I won't even call this baseball news at this point, but news of interest to the podcast uh, that I want to point out is that uh, Dave Portnoy dropped his lawsuit against Business Insider. <laughs> Who could have possibly guessed? Yep, yep. Um, sucks he, to suck. Yep, sucks to suck. Uh, the the lawsuit was dismissed last fall, and he appealed, and he's now dropped the appeal. Um, it's almost like it was completely groundless from the very start, and it was just <laughs> a defensive attempt to detract from his own massive misbehaviors. It's mm-hmm. almost like Business Insider's reporting of his shitty behavior was 100% accurate. <laughs> accurate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. About that. Strange. So, yeah, Dave Portnoy taking L's, Trevor Bauer still unsigned. These are things we like to see on a pod of their own. <laughs> These are things we like seeing. Um. So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of does it for our, like, news roundup. We're kind of, like, really in the in the doldrums of the the true doldrums of the off season now it's february it's kind of like the all the free agents or most of the free agents are signed but we're uh, a week away from pitchers and catchers we are a week pitchers away from and pitchers, and catchers. And catchers. pitchers and catchers and there's people down there doing baseball stuff right now there they is are. um there we've reached the like grainy cell phone video of random <laughs> dudes throwing uh, uh playing is legit in the best shape of his life <laughs> if we have it we have it folks the first in the best shape of his life has emerged yeah. it's right here Nimmo. first it's brandon <laughs> Um but yeah it, it's exciting uh there are a bunch of guys there early for camp um and so you know by the time we podcast next there will be like actual spring training underway um and, you know, uh, obviously there are a bunch of guys there early, too, because the World Baseball Classic is happening, um, which I'm very excited about. Um, and that's happening in March. And so some guys are going to camp to get their work in before joining their respective World Baseball Classic teams, which the Mets could have up to 12 players playing in the World Baseball Classic, which is really cool and representing like. I don't even remember how many of the teams, but like spread across a lot of the teams. Um, and there is no increased injury risk. Like no. if you look at the research and there yes. is research, um, baseball players get hurt. 
They get hurt in the spring if they are playing spring training. They get hurt in the spring if they are playing World Baseball Classic. And they get hurt in the middle of the season when they're just playing good old regular baseball. Yeah, but I'll link there there was a great there's a great piece that the ringer did a couple of years ago looking at this and and we'll link it because it's I think it's important to know like the reality when we are having the debates. Like if you want to talk like oh team chemistry or whatever like sure, okay. But you know, these this is not um this is not any greater risk to their health than playing other kinds of baseball is. Yeah, and apparently there was um an article today, I think it was Tim Healy that said Buck's not happy that all that like he's concerned that so many members of his team are playing in the World Baseball Classic. So you know. I mean, I feel him on this. He'll like, live. You're yeah. the guy in charge. You kind of want to have your people around you to get to know them. And like, okay, he is the person who's allowed to be annoyed by this. But like, that doesn't mean that it's not cool and good for them as players and good for baseball in the larger sense like sorry buck you'll figure it out well yeah. you know nolan arenado had an interesting quote too saying he hopes it one day becomes as big as the world cup yeah which i don't see it becoming world cup it's it's never gonna get that big but i would like it to become the world cup of baseball yes like yes. that would be great like for it to be like as like you know there's going to be proportionality involved because baseball is not as worldwide popular as soccer is but like i would like it to be as like like as popular within its own fan base as like world cup is for soccer fans um that would definitely be nice it's good for the game well, especially since also the Olympics can't make up its mind if baseball and softball are going to be in it. Like, this is the only other alternative to see it, like, on a world stage like that. I mean, the the mentality of, like, being worried about the players on your team playing in the in the international tournament is why baseball is not an Olympic sport anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> well, and then well, plus the IOC got annoyed that America kept winning the softball tournament. Yeah. Well, there's also that, which was annoying. <laughs> but um, you know, I'm I'm personally really looking forward to the World Baseball Classic. So, um, but uh, while we wait uh for a more grainy cell phone video of <laughs> of players uh playing baseball, um. We will end the show like we always do with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about something that's making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Linda Cerovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, my walk-off win is I finally got to see Hamilton on Broadway. Yay! Um, which was as awesome as advertised, obviously. I didn't see the original cast, but... Um, and then since we went on Sunday night, we got all the understudies, but they were all fantastic it was still a fantastic show um the guy who played well, the guy who played Aaron Burr was huge um so let's put that out there but then the guy who played Lafayette came out he had to have been six seven six eight like as soon as he came oh my out, god I was, like, I was like this dude is huge like he made Burr look short and Burr was big um and then it didn't help that I think Hamilton was short <laughs> 
So it was literally like Jose Altuve, Aaron Judge. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, peak performance looks all kinds of different ways. Indeed. Yes. yes. Like, no, but they were all very, very talented. I'm not knocking them. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was kind of hysterical to see because he had this like long, lanky frame, and there he is, like jumping on tables and stuff. Like, he was so graceful. <laughs> um, but so I was so happy that I I finally got to see it, and like, I didn't I didn't watch the Disney Plus. Um, I didn't want to see anything going into it, so I went into it totally fresh. Um, and but then the next day, um, uh, I watched the the Disney Plus with the original cast, and I have to say I kind of liked my Hamilton better than Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> All the all the Hamiltons are better than Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah. That is the secret. <laughs> like, He's very, very good at writing musicals. Yes, they said he did. And everyone else is really, really good at singing and acting. Singing it, yeah. Like they, like because I was talking to somebody at work about it, and they're like, "Yeah, acting is not his strength. Like he's a genius when it comes to music and lyrics and everything, but." Um, but yeah, acting was because of like Mike Hamilton was like so much more charismatic. And then I was like, I couldn't tell if it was because I was watching it on a screen, if it just didn't come through, like maybe like really had to be there to really get it. But um, but then today, um, you know, it was President's Day. We were doing a President's Day display. So I put out a book about animals in the White House. Aww. And apparently uh, Lafayette gifted john quincy adams uh an alligator oh um, huh. so then all day i had the little lafayette <laughs> stuck in my head <laughs> so like i was just going lafayette <laughs> all day after i read that book but yes lafayette uh, gifted john quincy adams an alligator and he kept it in his bathroom at the white house fascinating yeah, that, so that's my little bit of useless trivia. Oh, and I don't know if you saw, Meredith tweeted this, that they recently found an earlier allusion to a game called The Base that was played with a bat, and they think Alexander Hamilton played baseball. No. The Alexander oh. Hamilton. Oh, that'd be cool. Yes, because Meredith was like, well, what does this mean? Like, she's like, there's got to be a Yankees joke in there somewhere. And I was like, well, he could never play for the Yankees. He'd have to shave his sideburns. <laughs> Fact. There you go. I am so glad that you watched the Disney Plus uh, version, if only f- to experience David Diggs. Because... Yes. Oh, and Leslie Odom Jr. brings down um, of course. Room Where It Happened. I think that was my favorite song is Room Where It Happens. Yes. That is so really that, I mean, they're all good, but I think like that one's like, you know, I don't know. There's just something so catchy about that one. You but can again, see like, the room where it happens. It's the Morris Jamel Mansion in Washington Heights. Is it? Yes. Oh, well, I did not know that. Thank you, man. Field trip. Field trip time yeah, field for trip. I'll tell you where to get the Dominican food. Yeah, yeah now I feel like Leslie Odom. I want to be in the room where it happens. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if you have an opportunity, I feel like it does really need to be seen too on Broadway. Um, and yeah, like it was a it was a packed house because like our Hamilton came out when you know they're singing the opening number and they go, "What's your name?" He kind of comes running out and is like all like 
yeah, I'm Alexander Hamilton. Like, here I am. But then I watched the Lin-Manuel Miranda and he's just in there like, mm, Alexander Hamilton. I was like, but I thought your whole shtick was that you're cocky. <laughs> <laughs> like, wasn't that his whole being was that he was charming and cocky and he just was like, mm. I was like, that was your entrance. I don't know if I agree with that, but sure. Like, I guess you know the character better than I do. So, Lynn, if you're listening, Linda has some notes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like one Lynn to another. I feel like, you know, we have that connection. <laughs> yeah. You're on the same side. Yes. The Lynn side. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, no, I was very happy that I went in them. Um, it was it was a nice night in the city. It wasn't it wasn't too cold, and um, we got dinner and um, drinks beforehand. And yeah, it's it's always fun going to see. And then I'm going to see Chicago with my sister on Sunday. <laughs> Enjoy Chicago's great. <laughs> yeah, I love Chicago, so I'm also looking forward to that. So yeah. The, the Hamilton is my walk-off win. Yeah, can't can't think of a better one than that. But um, Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so I I have a have two walk-off wins. I I try Excellent. to minimize that, but it could not be avoided. Well, not um, this time. First, um, we got a new cat last week. Um, she's a rescue. We named her Angelina. Um, and she's just super sweet and, you know, she's, she's a little traumatized. She's still working out the like rescue part of things, but she's a really sweet, loving kitty. Um, Angelina comes from a lot of things, but one of my, one of the things that I always kind of like hear in my head is there's a bit at the end of a league of their own when Kit is signing autographs for all of these little girls. And she says, what's your name? She says, Angelina. And Kit goes, Angelina. It's just as she's signing the the autograph. And it's just like, I look at her. I'm like, Angelina. So <laughs> yeah, she's, she's super sweet. The kids love her. Like, we're really, we're really happy to have this, this warm little creature in our lives. Again, it has been too long. Um, and then the second walk-off win is that I solved a Rubik's Cube. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Which I realized is like on a very different like spiritual plane than took a uh, stray being into our home. But um, that was really cool. I did it. I've never done that. And you're doing like 50 steps in a row and you're like, this is not going to work. I know I missed a step somewhere. Was that, did I do that clockwise or counterclockwise? Oh, well, just got to keep going forward. And then all of a sudden you turn the last the last phase you're like what just happened like it feels like witchcraft um i would I, I will also share out the link for the tutorial that i used on youtube um i think it is totally worth anyone who is even remotely nerdy like try it because it's um i then did it three more times so i highly recommend so Rubik's frustrated with those things no you but the thing is you can't just like you can't just try it. I mean, there are there are brains out there that can figure it out. I, I would never be one of them. I think like almost the entire planet is not one of them. You just have to follow the steps. Um. So, like that's, you know, it's, it's not so much like puzzle solving as it is following directions. <laughs> but I'm that's okay awesome, with that too. Yeah. It's but I would be the one that would like, just take off the stickers and put them back to like, <laughs> or just line them up by peeling off the stickers. That's one way to do it. <laughs> um, my walk-off win this week is baseball-related, which is that I will be attending the Mets home opener. Um, 
I've never gone to a home opener before. I've never gone to an opening day before, period. Um, And I've so this will be my first time, although the Mets obviously open on the road, but this will be my first time even going to a home opener. Um, So I'm very excited. Um, We will be um, in New York. We will already be in New York the first week of April um, because uh, Michael's sister will be due the the week before that, basically. So we'll be there to meet the new baby or or not if she's late or just be there to support. Um, But so we'll already be in New York. So we kind of figured, you know, how many times are we going to be in New York for opening the opening week of baseball so or you know or for the Mets opening at home anyway um so we decided there last year opening weekend um no no well we were there we were in DC yes for opening weekend we I I don't think we went to the very first I'm trying to remember if we went to the very I remember you ordered your Scherzer jersey I did I did um but it was weird because it was the lockout and so it wasn't supposed to be opening day oh, and it was. Right. Um, so I don't know if it counts. And also, yeah, it was I've never. Well, I've, I'll have i amend it to say I've never been to a Mets home opener ever um, like at City Field or Shea Stadium. So I've, I've been to been like, there. you know, April games or like, you know, the first weekend, but not the actual like first home game. Um, so we will be going on that Thursday, um, and I'm very excited for it. Um, so yeah, I I can't wait. I I I love. I always love the optimism of a new season. It's it's. I'm so excited. Um, it's just nice to already like have a game on my calendar to look forward to. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Um, but while you wait, um, for for opening day to arrive, uh, we're now in the doldrums. But while you wait, the impatient waiting, you can go to amazingavenue.com, check out all of our fantastic content. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? Oh, Maggie's at Maggie162. <laughs> Maggie, Maggie disappeared for a moment, but she's at Maggie162. Um, you can follow each of us on Twitter. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, if you're already subscribed to our RSS feed um, on your podcast app of choice, you will keep getting it even after March 1st when we make the transition away from SB Nation and Vox. So please, please, please subscribe now if you aren't already. Um, and please rate and review the show. Um, if you have a moment, it really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in pop.